Well, hi there, everybody. Sorry to interrupt your other podcasts that you're listening to, but a little uh, fun announcement to make here. Casey, in summertime, we'd like to get up to some antics. And those antics would involve getting a bunch of nerds together and doing what nerds do best, yelling at each other. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So we are going to do Nerd Debate live this year. <gasps> Nerd Debate 5 live. There we in go. Person. Boom. That yes. is the subtitle. We just came up with it. We will be doing this at the amazing Bullfinch Brew Pub here in Syracuse, New York. So find all the information that you need at our social media or at nightshiftradio.com. We've drank Bullfinch's beer before. Dave, the brewmaster at Bullfinch, makes amazing beers. Check out the amazing stuff that's happening in Bullfinch. You can go to bullfinchbrewpub.com. Come join us on Saturday, July the 29th at 7.30 and be sure to be ready to listen to a bunch of nerds <laughs> argue with each other. <laughs> Alright, we're going to leave your podcast now. Goodbye. <laughs> You're listening to Never Heard of It, a Night Shift Radio original. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a rating and review if you're so inclined. For more information, visit nightshiftradio.com. So, yeah. Um, I had to to rent a car uh, early this past week. Um, Okay. I say had to. I mean, I didn't didn't have to, but uh, I had a particular set of errands uh, in which... A rental car expense was less than the cumulative cost of ride shares to and from all of my destinations. Sure. And that's usually the threshold at which I decide to rent rather than uh, hail a lift. Although, you know, during the, the last year or so, I've been uh, less inclined to get into other people's cars while they're in them. Uh, yeah. So I've, I've rented <laughs> a, a couple times for, for other reasons. Um all that to say, you know, they, the, the cumulative cost is too much or I have like a specific need of things that need to go in the vehicle. And it's like, you know what? It's a pain in the ass to do that in someone else's car. So I rented a car on Monday <clears throat> and we decided to make a target run. Yeah, target run and done. Which is something we haven't done in a, in a long time. In fact, the, we, we went to Target when we first got this house to get like a few last minute supplies. Sure. Uh, and I could not tell you when the last time before that had been. Uh, so that's that's not a commentary on Target runs. That's just a, simply a statement of fact. Uh, while there, Ellen was looking for, for school supplies because she's uh, enrolling in some classes, which is awesome. Nice. Congrats um, to Ellen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, who Ellen, if you if you uh, listen regularly, you heard last week uh, talking with us about Mars Attacks. I know, uh, so fun. So while she was looking at school supplies, I went wandering. Uh, my end goal was to find a, uh, a, a possibly better TV mount than the one that I got when I first moved in that I have not yet managed to successfully mount on the wall. <laughs> uh, but while I went to wandering, I went through the, the kitchen supplies and I started thinking about how much I hate my pots and pans. Like so much. I hate them. Okay. And I was like, you know what? I've, I've done my research and I know that uh, all of these really pretty, fancy, hipster, like ceramic ones that are all over like Instagram ads are garbage. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that they're like literal garbage, but they don't hold up uh, over time. The, like the ceramic coating breaks down much quicker than like a traditional uh, nonstick coating. Uh, and so while they may have been more eco-friendly to begin with, uh, they become, uh, less usable 
faster and thus become garbage faster. Right. <clears throat> so uh, I looked around and I, I found one, the brand that I recognize, and I, I don't remember the, the name off the top of my head. I could look it up, but that's not important. Uh, I found a brand I recognize, and it was a hardened anodized aluminum nonstick. And I did some some quick searching, and it was a really highly rated one. I was like, I think this is the one. So I got... I got a big pan. I got you know the the size that I usually cook my meals in. The, yeah. Like if I'm going to if I'm going to pick one pan to, to try out, it's going to be the one that I use the most. And you know if I hate it, fine, I'm no worse off. If I love it, then I'm going to buy the the whole batch. I love it. Yeah. Is I it? love it so much. <laughs> yeah. I you know uh, I had one of those uh, ceramic pans. It got gifted to me. Um, uh, for over a Christmas, and I remember using it and being like, "Oh, this is this is cool." Like, you mm -hmm. know, I didn't know anything about them, so I didn't do any research. And I remember using it and being like, "Oh, this is pretty cool. It cleans really easy. You know, the, <laughs> yeah. it doesn't really it doesn't stick on. You know, like nothing like fried or anything like stuck onto it. The oil just slipped right off, and it was great." Yeah. But I just remember, like, after a while, I was like, "It it's just like all my other pans. I don't." Like it didn't feel any different, but it looked different because it was that ceramic stuff. But yeah. I don't know. I'm not much of a of a cook. I don't really mm -hmm. like. I, I'm very basic when it comes to cooking. Like the most extravagant cooking I did is when I subscribed to like HelloFresh. Oh, like yeah, that's yeah. the most extravagant cooking. Like I, I typically am very basic when it comes to cooking. So to yeah. me, you know, one pan versus the other, they they all kind of feel the same. Well, we've been using uh, the purple carrot service, and yeah. for the most part, like I, I just use the the same pan over and over again because it's usually like it's it'll say a medium or a large skillet. But honestly, mm -hmm. like uh, you know, with the meals that we're cooking, most of them I just want the the largest one possible, so I'm not like cramped in there because I want right. to cook Thanks. evenly. Yeah, um, and then it flies off the side, and you're digging it out of your grates and stuff. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. But the uh, the the stainless steel ones that we had, which seem like they should be really great and should be really easy to work with, it just like instantly things just stick to them like crazy. And when we first switched from using olive oil to uh, avocado oil, uh, it like stuck less like they worked better for a little while interesting but then even over time they're just like just maddening to the point where like i can't even do the most basic things like get like a good sear on anything and i can't i can't get anything crispy because i can't get anything to like like not stick to the pan long enough to like be able to move around and flip right. sides you it's flip like, the just, meat and the whole thing just flies with it yeah, yeah just rips just, right off with it yeah and they're a mess to clean you got to get down in there with the the steel wool which is annoying and fuck you just like you've got these forever like char marks on there that you'll never get out and like the oil stains and like i hate it i, I like i like my like i know that the basic premise of cooking is your shit's gonna get messy right but i like for my stuff to start clean and end clean and whatever happens in the meantime, that's fine. And I also like the, just the most basic function of a nonstick pan for like it to not stick. Now right. I haven't tested the you know the ultimate test. I haven't I haven't fried an egg yet, uh, but I've done some some just like absolutely excellent crispy tofu. I just uh, did a, a simmer sauce and then added some, some veggies veggies to it. Like you know I, I heat it up first, and then when I put the oil in, it just beads like. The oil just glides on the surface. Oh, it doesn't see, that's like, nice. Yeah. It doesn't start to, like, the oil would start to, like, burn off and, It like, just sizzle off and then it becomes a burn. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, my old pants are like, all of that to say, I'm really happy cooking again. 
which is nice because you know, we, we've been cooking more for the last year plus right. uh, as we've been spending more time at home. But after a while, it kind of just got to be a drag. I'm like, I don't fucking want to do this because it's just going <laughs> to... It's going to be miserable and it's not going to come out right. It's fine. I mean, that's that's pretty much how it works with me. Um, you know, I'm <laughs> I after a while I'm like but like I could just order food and it could be cooked fine and be here <laughs> and I can just sit here and not have to do anything and then not have to clean afterwards. Yeah, you know, so like, you're why right. Why would I do that? <laughs> why am I going to especially I mean like Right now, it's just me and Juniper. It's just me and my kid. She's here five days a week. She's a picky eater as is. Like, I, I could literally just feed that kid pasta every day, and she'd be like, great. You know, and every <laughs> once in a while, throw in a pizza, and she'd be like, this is the best ever. You know, but, like, I try to mix it up. I give her food. I mean, she's not too much of a picky eater. She just would rather, you know? Yeah. Uh, no, so it. it's just, yeah, it just becomes an ordeal half the time to try to make some sort of meal um, and stuff. So sometimes like, uh, I'll just order something, but I, I've been cooking a lot more. Um, I will say I'm, I, I guess this is submitting into evidence. So, uh, I, I apologize. Uh, this is probably bad, but so I live in an apartment complex and, uh, somebody's hello fresh order, uh, got delivered and it was a huge box and it was sitting in the like mail thing mm-hmm. for like four days. To the point where it started to like kind of stink a little. Yeah. And I was like, I'm just, I was like, I'm going to take this thing. Like it stinks. I'm just going to take it. And I brought it back inside to my apartment and I was like, uh, you know, I'm just going to throw away the shit and just take whatever's salvageable of it. I'm like, it's been, there's always some non-perishable stuff. You can, right. Yeah. There's some seasoning together. Yeah. Yeah. And some of the stuff. So I opened it up um, and there was five meals in there. And uh, there were some pretty good meals in there. And uh, surprisingly, though, it was actually still pretty cold. Unfortunately, the thing that was starting to stink was there was shrimp in there. Yeah. And that was starting to just... (laughs) But, like, the meats were still pretty cold. They were very sealed. Um, All of the produce was good. And so I fucking ate that shit. I'm like, "Mm." it just left there for, like, five days. So, I mean, I threw away the shrimp. But I'm like... I. I can't, like, I'm not going to, what am I just going to throw it away or just let it stink up the place? Like management's obviously not taking care of it. So like, I'm not just going to throw away food. You know what I mean? Like I knocked on the person's door nobody answered and I'm not going to sit there and, you know, I mean, obviously they haven't checked their mail in five days. So So, they probably just moved and forgot. So you play the game of like moved vacation or dead or dead. Right. (laughs) All right, so I don't know. I ate that shit. I'm poor. It was tasty. Did yeah. they just like? <laughs> Did they spontaneously explode? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> and that being said, hello and welcome to the Never Heard of It podcast. I'm your host, Michael Fight, and I am Caleb the uh, the Coivington Curse. <laughs> so we am I, uh, am I stopping this now? Is that yeah? We could stop that okay. now. So <laughs> we uh, today are talking about. Um, uh, the movie called Spontaneous. So we're kicking off a whole month uh, of movies uh, by pure coincidence. Well, sort of coincidence. Nothing's ever coincidence. Um, but but uh, just just out of uh, the way things worked out, uh, every movie we're reviewing this month is on Hulu. Um, <laughs> and that Thanks. is to say is not a uh, uh, that was not intentional. 
Um, that was not done on purpose. Um, that being said, uh, Plan B debuts uh, May 28th uh, on Hulu. That was a film nice. that I got to work on this past year. Nice. Uh, but by pure coincidence, pure coincidence that the rest of our films are Hulu films. <laughs> um, so definitely check out Plan B when it airs. Um, but anyway, so uh, yeah. So so. Uh, but my hope is I've only seen half of these movies maybe. I don't even think I've seen all of them. You've seen one. Yeah. I've seen one, uh, and I have not seen the other two. Uh, no, I have seen, I've seen uh, two. I've seen Spontaneous and I Kill Giants. Okay. And you've seen Colossal. Yes. I have not seen Higher Power, and I have not seen She's, She Dies Tomorrow. I did watch the trailer for all of those, though. Excellent. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm really excited for this month. I think it's going to be five uh, movies in a row that are good. That That's assuming be... you liked this movie. That will be a uh, a tremendous feat if we manage to get five in a row that uh, are not terrible. I, I completely agree. Uh, you know, we we have a we have a bad history with <laughs> <laughs> with with that. Um, so today we're going to talk about the movie Spontaneous, as you guys uh, have noted. Hopefully, you guys are watching um, our uh, are watching or listening to our trailers uh, that we put out that kind of prep you for the movie, um, so you guys can watch in advance if you choose to, or if you wait for the full review, uh, so that you could um, decide whether or not you're going to watch the movie. Mm. Uh, so today mm. we're talking about Spontaneous. It is currently streaming on Hulu and Prime Video. Um, and, uh, so this is a wild movie and it's actually based on a book. Is it um, really? Yes, yeah. that's right. It is. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's based on a book by, oh, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna be able to find it, but, uh, uh you, you messed up. I done, messed I up. done goofed. Uh, Aaron Starmer. Yeah. Aaron Starmer. So, uh, so the, so the general plot of this movie is teenagers start spontaneously exploding, not combusting. They don't catch on fire. They just pop like a balloon. Just and just a just a spray of blood. Yeah. Um, so content warning. Um, there's uh, a lot of swear words. Um, teenage drug and alcohol use and um, blood everywhere. There's you see people's blood so and guts. Much blood. Yeah. So now um, not really any gore. Like they they mention uh, the meaty bits. Uh, but right. you never really see any. It's not like you see like guts flying everywhere or whatnot. It, it really is just like buckets of blood. Uh, but like that said, like if your if your stomach gets if if you get queasy, maybe don't. Yeah, you know. And the thing that was really interesting about this movie, and I'm sure I'm I'm not sure, but I I would assume it's probably a limitation of just budget and and stuff. Is that you never actually see the person explode. And when I say that is that you never are looking at a person as they explode. Basically, it always cuts to the people getting sprayed with the blood. Like it's yeah. like it's, you know, frames worth of a cut, but you never actually watch the person explode. So you don't see how that looks. I think that that uh, is what uh, helps keep it at, uh, we'll say, a soft R and in the realm of a comedy 
rather than hard R full horror. Because if you saw these fuckers blow up, (laughs) that would be so gross. Right, right. And, you know, (laughs) so what's wild about this is that, like, it's not, like, three people. It's, like, 25 kids that blow up. Like, it's it's a lot of kids that blow up, and you see a lot of them happen. You know, whereas whereas a lot of these movies, you know, uh, I think of... um, I think of back to the movie, um, uh, what's the zombie one? Cold uh, something. Warm, the one, uh, warm Bodies. Warm Bodies. Yeah. Where yeah. the, did we do that movie? Did we cover we that didn't. movie? We, we didn't. We should. We should. It was good. Um, but yeah, so basically it's where the zombies basically come back to life uh, and stuff. And that falls into the realm of this with, with me a little bit because it's mm-hmm. like, let's take this horror element but add this sort of like rom-com sense to it. But like this film is way more quirky than Warm Bodies. Warm Bodies is very like, no. And this film is kind of like, that's kind of fucked up, but this is a good movie. (laughs) I mean, we've already established that the novel was written by Aaron Starmer, but as I'm watching it, uh, my my reaction, and I think I I messaged this directly to you. Yeah. uh, Is this the weirdest John Green novel ever? (laughs) (laughs) So... (laughs) So the the movie the movie's great. So I I do want to point out that uh pretty much the first line of this movie is probably the best line of this uh of any movie I've seen. It starts off with saying Caitlin Ogden was many things, but she wasn't particularly explosive. <laughs> and uh she exploded. Uh, and that was just and then she exploded. And then she explodes. Just <laughs> Absolutely fantastic. So, so the story basically follows around this uh, senior class um, where there is an epidemic of kids spontaneously exploding, and it starts with Caitlin Ogden. She just one day explodes in math class, um, and you know nobody really knows what the deal is. Um, and uh, we follow the story of Mara. So Mara is played um, by boop boop boop. Uh, Catherine, Catherine Langford. Langford, yeah, and Catherine Langford has um, she's been in a lot of things. For those of you that like good movies, um, she was in Knives Out. She plays uh, uh, Meg Thromby in uh, Knives Out. For those of you who like good movies, why are you listening to this? Podcast? <laughs> why are you listening to this podcast? <laughs> right, um, but yeah, it there's was, that it, too. She definitely like she was one that I recognized, but couldn't remember from where until I saw that she was in Knives Out, and I'm like, oh, well, that makes sense. Um, <clears throat> She had a very uh, 10 Things I Hate About You era Julia Stiles vibe throughout this movie. Totally. Yeah. (laughs) I can feel that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Something. And I, I, what I like about her character in this is, you know, she, she has a level of like, haha, I'm going to joke my way through it. But like, what's great is that progressively throughout the film, you see more and more how much she is emotionally not dealing with what's happening and yeah. you see it getting to her more and more. Cause a lot of times with these movies, I feel like the writer or the director makes a mistake where they, they make the character like this quirky person. And then they never, they either never emotionally deal with the bullshit that's happening or they over emotionally deal with the bullshit that's happening. I mean, mm-hmm. that that's kind of silly, but because However you emotionally deal with a thing is how you emotionally deal with it, whether it's extreme or non-extreme. But typically, like, they always push them to one extreme or another, and you never see you never see a, a spiral in a film like this. Mm-hmm. 
um, which I thought was, uh, which I thought was great. I mean, it, you, you felt it like as it gets progressively worse, you, you feel with the character, you're like, oh my God, this is really fucking bad. <laughs> yeah. It's scary. It's, and like everybody's means of dealing with it are, are so like, so, so interesting to watch. Cause like some people are like full and like the, like there's the, the one character who like keeps the, the sweatsuit that the police give her the, the first time, uh, when, when Ogden explodes, uh, and she just starts adding names to it and it just says like, oh, we'll right. never forget. And like, she just goes all in on the memorializing. Uh, and then we have, you know, uh, Tess, uh, uh, the uh, the best friend character who uh, is just like I, no I have to finish school and I have to get the fuck out of here like I don't uh, I don't right. like I can't stay here like I have to to live and then you've got you know the 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 jocks that are just like you know we're gonna play football and we're gonna party until we explode <laughs> right <laughs> literally literally yeah and then you have like the weird conspiracy theorist guy who's walking around in like full like armor, body armor. And oh my God, Cole. <laughs> yeah, oh, Cole. Cole. Um, <laughs> so speaking of uh, the best friend, the best friend, uh, the character's name is Tess McNulty, um, but it's played by Haley Law, um, who plays Val, uh, Valerie Brown in Riverdale. Um, oh. Val is is famously uh, one third of uh, Josie and the Pussycats. That's true. Um, yep. She also is Lizzie Elliott on Altered Carbon. She's in yep. both seasons of uh, Altered Carbon. Um, yes. which is uh, pretty fucking cool. She's great in that. Um, so uh, that was pretty cool. So that's, I mean, I recognized her um, from Altered Carbon um, just specifically as soon as I saw it because she has very distinct eyes. And I was like, I know her. And I looked it up and I was like, that's who, that's where I saw her from, Altered Carbon. Also, the way that she wears her hair through a lot of it in yeah. two large uh, bushy fro sections, uh, which I'm sure there's a better name for that hairstyle, but it's just like basically two, a double afro. And I fucking yeah, love yeah. And like, it's very distinctive look for her uh, that she wears a lot in, uh, in Altered Carbon. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she was great. And then uh, the uh, we have, are eventually introduced to Dylan, um, who Dylan is played by uh, Charlie Plummer. Um, and uh, Charlie Plummer, I'll be honest, I didn't recognize him. I mean, I like recognized him, but I could not pinpoint where. And like in in looking through his uh, um, IMDb, I still I'm like I still don't know what I recognize you from. Maybe Boardwalk Empire. The basic really? uh, impression that I get is that he plays a lot of this character. Yeah. Because, um, you know, I made the joke about this being the weirdest uh, John Green novel. Right. And he plays Miles in the Looking for Alaska series. So. Oh, okay. And th well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yes. Um, and then, uh, the, the other most notable person is, uh, uh, the dad, uh, Mars dad is, is Rob Hubel, um, who was on the daily show. He was, uh, he was in a movie, uh, called seeking a friend for the end of the world. Great movie. Um, he is, uh, uh, also in, I love you, man. Um, he, uh, but he's, uh, he's voices on Bob's burgers. Uh, he was on Conan. Like he's, he's done a lot of stuff. I, uh, I'm a fan of, uh. Of Rob, you're gonna gloss right over the mom. Oh, did Fucking I? Fucking Piper Parabo. Is that Piper? Per <laughs> I didn't yes. even recognize her. Holy shit! <laughs> I the last time I I like thought about Piper Parabo was uh, of course one of my favorite movies, Stick It. Uh, but that was fucking forever ago. 
I assumed you were going to say Coyote Ugly. Well, no. Uh, no, I'm much more <laughs> of a nerd. Wait, was she in Stick It? She was in Stick It, right? I don't know. Or am I or am I confusing her with someone else? I think I You're am totally confusing, confusing her with her. someone else. Yeah, she wasn't in that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> who the fuck was that? Who who was in... Who's the main character in Stick It? That one's probably... Missy Peregrim, that's who I was confusing her for. Um, which they look nothing alike, by the way. <laughs> um, uh, but Piper Bravo was in... Uh, um, she was in a movie... Uh, what is it? Uh, uh, Dazed and... Not Dazed and Confused, but something like that. Um, when she was younger. And I just remember seeing that one. Oh, she was in The uh, the Prestige as well. Yeah. Um, what the fuck? Like, she was, a, she was a younger kid in that one. Let's see, what's it called? Da, 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 da. Lost and Delirious. Um, and I remember uh, um, I remember watching it. It's a really messed up movie, but I remember that, uh, Misha Barton's in that movie. Um, and I remember it was a big deal because it's like, you know... It, Misha Barton was like a kid and it deals with very like highly sexualized kids and stuff like that. Wait a second. I, I will. Wait a second. Okay. You're going to tell me. Yeah. The Beverly Hills Chihuahua was 2008. <laughs> what? I thought that that was at least 1998. Dang. I guess. <laughs> That is a much more recent film than yeah. I remember it being. But I mean, also, that's 13 years ago. But yeah. <laughs> Beverly Hills Chihuahua. Oh, man. I... Oh, man. Holy so fuck. My, my ex-wife, her son, fucking loved that movie he was five when it came out he that. was fucking upset we used to watch that and beverly hills chihuahua 2 on fucking repeat that was like because like wow. kids do that when they're like four or five they like pick one movie and that becomes yeah. their entire personality for a year yeah. and his was beverly hills chihuahua it was just that was the only movie he wanted to watch on repeat my daughter was was she was in the frozen age uh, so hers was frozen, um, but he, <laughs> Beverly Hills Chihuahua was was what got him. We had Chihuahuas, wow. so that's probably why. But yeah, yeah. yeah. So there's probably that, that association. Sense. But uh, yeah, oh man. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so so pretty decent cast uh, uh, for for the thing. Uh, now there's not a budget listed uh, uh, for this movie, um, but if I had to guess. Uh, I'm gonna say it's probably uh, it's probably in the two to five million. Uh, that's that's my guess. Okay. Because um, I don't think this got. Um, yeah this this probably didn't get a uh, theater release. I would assume this was probably one that um, uh, just just went straight to digital. Uh, looks like it was made in Canada, uh, even though it was an English uh, um, an American film. Um, but it was done, it was shot mostly in uh, Vancouver and, and British Columbia, uh, Canada. And it came out just last year. This came out in October of last year. So this is a, this is a new movie. Yeah. And like, there are, uh, very clear references to the time period that it's in. I mean, they specifically mentioned the year being 2019, uh, yeah. and, uh, there are some, some spot on references to, um, the former presidency, uh, that we just all lived through, 
Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like her her showing up to school in like full morning gear uh, the day after, uh, which is something that I remember witnessing. Like variations on that, not necessarily like black dress and a veil, but like people showing up in all black, and uh, I remember that vividly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, she at the very end uh, mentions, you know, I'm going to be president, and I'm going to like you know Trump from his golden ca- casket is going to be like, who is this bitch? And she's going to be like, that's president bitch to you, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I I love there, there's a lot of moments of those like references and like cool little cutaways. I thought that was cool. Um a lot of uh a lot of quick cut editing from scene to scene too, which I really appreciate. Like uh you know the moment when they're uh, we're we're getting ahead of ourselves, but you know it's our fucking podcast, it doesn't matter. Yeah. The moment when they're they're at uh Ms. Ogden's funeral and um Mara's like, you know what I need? And she turns around and she's like, drugs. And like, you re- see that the, the scenery is different behind her and the camera pans around and she's, you know, with her classmates who are the local dealers. And there's a lot of just quick cut stuff like that that I really fucking loved. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, I, I 100% appreciate that. So I do want to point out the, uh, the director and writer of this film is Brian Duffield. Um, uh, Brian Duffield actually uh, was the writer. Um, for uh, the movie Underwater, uh, which was um, Kristen Stewart. I actually really liked that movie. I know a lot of people did not like it. I, I actually really liked it. I don't um, think I've seen that. He also was the writer for The Babysitter. You would love Underwater. Like, you would fucking mm. love Underwater. Yeah, um, I, mean, I like think it's I on HBO Max. Just trying Maybe. to remember if I actually saw I don't think I saw that. Oh, you would... Yeah, no, you you have to watch that. Um, it's like like the abyss, but looks maybe cooler. Yeah, I'm into it. Y- yeah, you you'll dig it. <laughs> I'm not gonna give it away because okay. it's it's like a reveal, so I'm not gonna give it away. Right. Um, but but also, so he he was the writer for um the Divergent um uh, that series that was a a, a book to series. Yeah, the Babysitter. The Babysitter. I was getting there. That movie was fucking amazing. Yeah, The Babysitter, um, and uh, a movie which I actually heard was really good, but I haven't done. It, uh, we have. I haven't watched is Love and Monsters. That oh, may yeah. actually be one we do uh, um, here. Um, Love and Monsters uh, apparently was a pretty decent film. Um, it sounds up our alley. Yeah, and he also wrote the sequel to The Babysitter, um, which uh, wasn't bad. It was fun. Um, and then he also wrote uh, Jane Got a Gun. Um, uh, he did the screenplay for that one. Um, and that's a Natalie Portman film. So, um, he's, this is, uh, I, it looks like his only, uh, directing, uh, role. So this was his first time, uh, seemingly first time credited as a director. Yeah. Uh, good for you, Brian. You, you fucking, you did it, dude. You should do more. Uh, he has another one announced, but no details other than a tagline, uh, a young married couple struggles to survive against a supernatural entity uh, titled Vivian hasn't been herself lately. Uh, oh. So sign me up the moment that comes out. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I will. Yeah. 100% in for that one. Cause so far uh, you have a very good history of uh, writing and, and directing. So <laughs> you done good. You done good. 
Um, yeah, so, uh, so, you know, again, the movie starts off right off the bat with the explosion of, of Caitlin Ogden. Um, you know, we see the whole class gets put into quarantine. Um, uh, you know, they're, they're, uh, they're stripped out of all their clothes. They're given the sweat uh, suits. You know, they try to figure it out at first. Everyone was like, was she a suicide bomber? Like, what was it? Like, was this suicide? Like, was this self-inflicted? Mm-hmm. And, you know, they they try to basically figure out. And there's actually a really funny scene where um, uh, Mara is being interviewed by the police. And he says, like, hey, did Caitlin say anything uh, that, you know, uh, uh, weird? And she's like, what? Like, wanting to explode? And he was like, you know, and she was like, yeah, oh, yeah. She talked about wanting to explode all the time. And you see him, time. like, writing on his pad. And she was like, no, I, I was kidding. And he holds up his pad. And I thought this was really clever. This was a clever way to show what her name was. It says, you know, Mara, Mara Carlisle, unhelpful. <laughs> that, that was really great. <laughs> I thought that was a really great way to, one, introduce her name and, you know, set the tone. It, it's great because she is that, like, snarky, like, never shuts it off, like, always fucking with people. And the guy's just like... I know what you're doing, and I'm Shitty over it already. Kid. I'm already over it. Right, <laughs> right. Like a kid literally just exploded. Like, don't be, don't be an asshole. Uh, so, uh, so as as the film goes on, so the first thing that happens, you know, everybody is like, "Oh my god, what the fuck is going on?" Like nobody understands really what's going on, you know. And Mara makes the point of saying like well, it's going to happen again. Like, this isn't an isolate. Like, she calls it right off the bat. You know, someone was like, oh, you know, I just can't wait to go back to normal. And she's like, that's not going to happen. Like, this is going to happen again. You know, and even if she says it in passing, um, uh, you know, it's that's it's true. You know, we do mm-hmm. know that this is this is going to happen again. Well, and we late know. Th- <laughs> oh, we know. Uh, and later that night, she gets a text message uh, from an unknown number um, basically just professing, you know, uh, saying that they have a crush on this person and, uh, they pull the old clever cutesy, uh, you know, where she was like, you don't send me a dick pic. And, uh, he sends her a picture of Richard Nixon. Um, I love it. She's it was, like, that was dumb. Send more. Send more. <laughs> yep. And, uh, you know, so she, she eventually tells her best friend Tess later, uh, that, uh, a guy, uh, sent her pictures, uh, sent her dick pics, but more specifically, it was pictures of Richards, to which Tess says, ew, that's worse. <laughs> <laughs> which is pretty great. Um, yeah, because he runs into them at the, the diner, and she's like, oh, my God, it was you. You're dick pic Dylan. <laughs> Tess, like, you said dick pics? Ew, no, that would be gross. That's <laughs> <laughs> great. That's great. There's a boy staring at us. So there is. I think he's staring at you. So he is. <laughs> very, very good. Um, yeah, so we had mentioned the scene before where she went off to get drugs. So she went off and got a whole bunch of mushrooms. Um, so while mushroom, at the diner... Mushroom, <laughs> mushroom, mushroom. Uh, she uh, basically dunks all the mushrooms into her tea and just and just doesn't, you know, drips them back and... Fucking chug, chug a mug of mushrooms. Yeah, oh boy. And uh, and this is where we meet Dylan, Dick Pick Dylan, uh, who comes up and, you know, they start having a conversation and, uh, you know, they're obviously flirting. Uh, they're obviously flirting in front of uh, Tess and all that and she's, you know, being like, he's flirting with you. And uh, so then Mara's like, 
would you like to take me to the ladies' room? Uh, and, uh, you know, he thinks for a second. And uh, before we go into that of his <laughs> response, see that I'm going to cliffhanger you. Uh, first off, <laughs> I want to say thanks everyone for watching on YouTube. We super appreciate it. If you have not subscribed, please go ahead, uh, hit subscribe and like, comment and subscribe. And for those of you listening on your podcast player of choice, I cannot stress this enough. One of the most important things you could possibly do outside of subscribing to Patreon or following us on social media, which is cool, but really the most important thing you guys could do is leave a rating and review, uh, specifically if you are an Apple Podcast listener, which, uh, you know, I see analytics. Most of you are. Uh, <laughs> we so, see you. We, <laughs> we see you. We see you. We know what's up. Uh, but for those of you that are, uh, uh, if you could leave a rating and review, it would be super helpful. Even if you just ding, you know, however many stars you think this podcast is worth, that's cool too. But leaving a comment is also really great. Honestly, we super appreciate that sort of stuff. It is what helps us grow um, in the Apple podcast platform. So, uh, you know, where I'm asking politely, if you could do that, please do. Um, and, Don't make uh, him beg, because he will. <coughs> Dude, I totally will. <laughs> I'm not below it. Um, okay please. Maybe. Please. We'll see. Please read um, us a review. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, other than that, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. When we come back, we will get into what they do in the bathroom. <laughs> Set Condition 1 is Night Shift Radio's Battlestar Galactica fan cast. Each week, Battlestar veterans Caleb and Kitsy revisit, and newcomer to the show, Andrea, watches for the first time the 2004 sci-fi series Battlestar Galactica. They've just entered their third season, which means you've got two full seasons of sci-fi gold to binge if you want to watch along with them. Whether you're the commander of a soon-to-be decommissioned battleship or recently promoted to president of the 12 colonies. Join Caleb, Kitsy, and Andrea as they make their way through the Battlestar Galactica universe one episode at a time. Watch Battlestar Galactica free on Peacock and find Second Edition 1 at secondedition1throughoutthepodcast.com or wherever you get podcasts. Looking for something heroic in your life? Go check out our friends at the Super Pod HeroCast. They're guys with beers talking about movies with capes. Every episode goes in depth with a different superhero movie. A classic of modern cinema? A certified stinker? It doesn't matter. If it's a superhero movie, they're going to talk about it. Start with a little bit of comedy, add in some film analysis, and finish it off with a heaping dose of geekery. You've got the Superpod Hero Cast. It doesn't matter if you're a casual fan or a 20th level nerd. Download their latest episode, grab a beverage, and enjoy the fun. The Superpod Hero Cast. Be heroic. Hello and welcome back. When we left you, we uh, dangled uh, an uh, illicit um, invitation for uh, Dylan, Dick Pick Dylan, to take Mara to the ladies' room. Um, dangled but- an illicit, illicit invitation. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> oh, it was great. I appreciated my wit. Um, <laughs> someone's got to. Um, and uh, and it turns out the reason why she wanted him to take her to the ladies' room is to hold her hair while she vomited from having all of those magic mushrooms. <laughs> Which I guess would be a thing. I don't, I've never taken shrooms, so I don't know if you can get so high that you vomit. Uh, yeah, I also same, so I don't know. Um, but uh, yeah, so listeners, uh, can you get so high on magic mushrooms that it causes you to vomit? Question. Yeah. We want to like, know. 
if you're that high, can you function enough to have a conversation, like a, you know, a lucid conversation? Because that seems to be a little, uh, a little uh, incongruous to me. Yeah, I mean, I guess if we were to think that she takes the mushrooms and it, they don't kick in until she vomits, and that's when she starts seeing multiple of Dylan's uh, in the bathroom. Um, also. Uh, not a good look for like your first meeting with your crush, uh, to have them hold your hair back while you vomit that, uh, I mean, I guess in the world of like students randomly exploding, maybe this doesn't seem as like <laughs> off the cuff, but if my first instance with you, I have gone on a date, I went on a date with a girl and like, she got so insanely drunk that like, uh, you know, like once the date was like winding down she was like lunging at me and i was like i this needs to stop she ended up biting me uh on my collarbone uh while i was like literally like holding her back and my friend we were at my friend's graduation party who was holding her back as well being like hey i think you should stop and she bit my collarbone and left a bruise for like a week and a half and she ended up passing out shortly after uh uh biting my collarbone and we just like me me and my friend like uh her and i we just tucked her in the in the, she ended up passing out in my friend's bed and we just tucked her in her bed and then i just went home because <laughs> so i was like i i can't do this anymore and i never returned her calls oh, so no. like sloppy drunk isn't a good sloppy intoxication is not a good look for a first date just saying yeah <laughs> but <laughs> that's I, my dating advice I mean, Dylan takes it very well, and I got to imagine there there is some allowance for someone experimenting with various psychedelics uh, to deal with the fact that the like one of their classmates literally just exploded the you know the seat in front of them. Yeah, so this is the exception to that rule. I feel but. like this is the perfect exception. But on a typical regular average day, yeah. not a good luck. <laughs> yeah, try to try to regulate that a little right. bit. Like, and you know what? I understand the nerves. But uh, you yeah. don't want to take it too far. Yeah, 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 yeah totally. Um, uh, I mean, in all fairness, if uh, I I don't do drugs or anything like that, but if people started spontaneously exploding, I would. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. Like, rules are off at that point. I mean, yeah, you know, and and you know, Tess makes this point. Dylan makes this point. Uh, you know, Mara kind of eventually gets to this point. Is like you could explode at any minute. So like, what are you waiting for? Like Tess is like, I'm going to finish school. I'm going to go off. I'm going to finally leave this town, you know, and I'm going to go off and live my life because I could explode at any moment. Dylan's like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go buy a car and I'm going to do this thing because like, you know, I've been saving up for what to do a college thing, but like I could have a car right now and go and you see the world and stuff. And that's like, you know, people are starting to like, it's that like, the threat of mortality that's that's right there you know they're just kids so thinking about this from like the the grander perspective uh and how movies in general but like horror we'll we'll, we'll say this is horror adjacent sure. uh tend to be very allegorical uh think about how uh it's, it's a very heavy-handed allegory for like life is short and like live now uh, but also I feel like, especially because it's you know it's a high school rom com. It's, it's it's set with with you know high school seniors and younger. Um, like, how bad have previous generations left this world 
that like this is where like high school movies are at now. Like right. this is the like we have to live for now because it could be our last day. Um, and like they're going to the extremes of like it's hilarious, uh, tragically hilarious that all of our classmates are just exploding and dying, and like we still have to go to school and yeah. So uh, I'm not faulting the movie at all. The movie is fantastic. Uh, there's a lot of the way that the characters in this movie and like just the the uh, the town, the adults and whatnot, like the way that people handle this situation. Then it's like, really, that's how we're gonna play it. Like you're gonna make the kids keep going to. You know what? Like just they, give them their fucking diplomas and like they kept sending them back. <laughs> they kept taking them out of school and then fucking sending them back. It was like, bitch, why? They're seniors. I mean, it's like, what are they going to learn in four months? Like, it's almost prom season, you know? So, like, it's the end of the year at that. Crazy. Man. Like, oh. I don't even want to take it down to, like, the really dark alleyways that my, my brain has gone down for this because, you know, this is a comedy podcast. But, like, holy hell. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I'm, I'll be honest. So I watched this movie um, uh, a couple of days ago. I came across it really late at night. I was just, I was kind of, you know, I was in bed. I, was, I wasn't tired and I was flipping through. And this came up um, on Hulu. <clears throat> and I, so I saw it and I was like, all right, I'll watch it. I expected more rom-com than than what it was. Uh, mm -hmm. And I'll be honest, like after finishing watching it, I was like, fuck. Because like the one thing about a zombie movie is you know to just avoid zombies. Like you know the rules. You know what to mm -hmm. do to not die. You know, like a werewolf movie. You know what to do to not die. You know, mm -hmm. if there's werewolves within. <laughs> wink, wink. Uh -huh. um, Unless they have a gun and they're out for revenge. <laughs> oh, shit. Um, <laughs> it, you know, but like when it comes to a monster or a spiritual entity, like there's always a thing you can do to avoid it. That's not the case for this movie. And spoiler, they never ever find out what the fuck causes it. No. These kids just fucking explode. They just Man. explode. And so it's just like this you could just explode. Like you yeah. could just explode. There's no stopping it. There's no preventative. Like, you know, the, the government tries all this medicine and stuff like that, but it doesn't fucking work. So yeah. like they, they, they quarantine the, the kids in like this, like tent in the, the middle of the woods or something like that. We actually don't even find out where we'd, like the scene starts just in the woods. Assume it's, yeah, it's the uh, edge of town or something. Yeah, Mara's out with the uh, the Daltons, the local drug dealers, because the uh, the FBI, like the, the government scientists and whatnot, kind of want to know like anything and everything that the kids might have consumed. They are like, a, a, if they're into drugs, okay, like let's let's see if there's maybe something with the the drugs. And it isn't like let's bust these kids. It's like let's you know let's figure this out. Right. Uh, and so she's in the car with them as they're they're going to find their hidden stash because you know. You know, we don't we don't keep it on our house because you never know when the feds will try to fuck you, which uh, is really fucking smart, by the way. Super smart. No, don't keep your drugs super in the house. Don't keep your drugs in the house. Very smart, unless it's yeah. legal in your state. Then do whatever you want. And then yeah, have have all the drugs. Yeah. Um, but uh, while en route, uh, both of the Daltons explode uh, yeah. and leaving leaving Mara alone in the car, and uh, Dylan comes across her later on. In his fucking ice cream truck, which is great. Yeah. Uh, she's she's down by the river trying to to wash the Daltons off of her. Uh, <laughs> they which, just like, won't come out. Is one of those moments where like she's, like her veneer starts to crack, and she's like, I I can't get I can't get them off. I can't get the blood out of my clothes. Like, and she like she has like a kind of a breakdown moment, 
And then, like, she's suddenly back to normal. She's like, snaps out of it, and she's cracking jokes. And like, the scientists show up, and she's like, "What is this ET bullshit?" Uh, so they they get sequestered in in the tent. Uh, and as you said, the, the government's trying all sorts of different things. They keep giving them different uh, medicine to try, and just when they think it, it's working, someone explodes. Uh, so, like, you know, kid gets up and gives a, a passionate speech uh, during one of the the presentations, and explodes. Uh, you know, in the middle of the night, a kid explodes in their sleeping bag. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, it just keeps happening. And then finally, they go what must be like a, feel like a sufficient amount of time without anyone exploding. And they think, well, this batch works. But does it? But does it? Uh, it- and up until now, it's been one at a time and pretty, like, spaced pretty far <laughs> apart. Yeah. Uh, but they send them back to school. There's a... In my way where, like, you know, Mara doesn't want to go back and Tess is like, oh, but we have to. And they, they go back and people just start fucking exploding like crazy. Like, yeah, like left. Most like just, of the class dies yeah. in this scene it's, as they're running around. It's uh pretty much like a, uh, um, it's pretty much like the end of Carrie. Like that's <laughs> where it's just like buckets of blood everywhere, kids running from a school. Like it, it is, it is wild. <laughs> Which is great because during the the Halloween uh, scene, uh, she shows up wearing a prom dress and she's like, "Oh, you were supposed to be Carrie, weren't you?" And she's like, "Yeah, Caitlin ruined that." And like, she looks over and the other kids are like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> right. She's like, "No, I didn't mean it." You know what? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so, you know, progressively throughout the movie, we see Dylan and Mara, um, you know, uh, start to become boyfriend, girlfriend, they have this really cute relationship. They're both kind of like quirky and snarky and, and it just really works. We get many ET references throughout this movie. So you mentioned the scene where they get sequestered off and they're in their, Mm -hmm. their little quarantine thing and they do the like Elliot, (laughs) ET, Elliot. Um, and, uh, uh, actually at the end we get a reference, um, um, so th- this is a big spoiler, um, but uh, shortly after the prom, everybody's exploding, right? So you know she's you know she's running, or is it graduation at this point? I think it's. Uh, I well, think they it's do. Prom. They like, do like they, a they, fake graduation. The very end, they do like a combined graduation and prom with like whoever's left. Right. Oh yeah, but I think that's before the part I'm about to, or after the part I'm about to say. Yeah. So uh, so during prom. You know, everybody's exploding. You know, she runs, uh, Mara runs out. Her and Dylan kind of get separated. Um, she runs out and she ends up uh, getting, um, uh, stopping and, and you know, outside. And she's like, oh my God. Dylan comes up to her and is like, hey, like, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. And then the screen just goes red. Oh my uh, God. And it was, this was crazy. And, uh, you know, it's it's red for a minute. We don't really know who explodes, uh, but it turns out Dylan actually explodes uh, so much so that a piece of his jawbone gets embedded in Mara's forehead. Oh my God. And so like, th- there's a good sense that because she's the narrator, she probably doesn't die. Right. Um, uh, you know, that, that's not always the case, but there's a good sense that that's going to be, but they do this scene where like, it's just like a close up of both of them, like back and forth, back and forth, showing them like, you know, reunited after like half their classes exploded and they're covered in blood and they're like, it's okay. We're here. We're like, you know, we love each other. And then that red screen and, and just like silence. And I'm just like, oh, what? Oh, fuck. yeah. 
<laughs> oh boy. Yeah, and that it, was they uh, held it for a lot longer than I expected too. It, it was pretty uh I mean they did they did the foreshadowing line. Dylan says like, "Hey, I could be the next one to explode." And I'm like, "Well, bitch, you're exploding." Like yeah, that's, that's, that's it. <laughs> it was like, "That's it. You sealed your fate. Like you said it in the first 20 minutes of meeting you. Like you're done for." Mm-hmm. Um but on Dylan's headstone, uh he has the quote, "I'll be right here," uh which are the last words that ET spoke to Elliot. So this is yet another callback to ET Aww. and uh their moment um, uh, in, in the quarantine. Um, so that's, that was a fun little callback. Uh, but so at this point, this, this is the, this is like the tipping point. You know, we mentioned that we see a few scenes earlier of Mara kind of like losing it. This is the moment where that's it. She is, she is gone. I mean, she Mm -hmm. goes pretty much catatonic for, for a little bit. Um, but then it's just, she is nonstop drugs, nonstop drinking. She's no longer going to school. Like she walks into a store, grabs alcohol off the shelf and just fucking walks out. Like, no, everyone's like staring at her and she's just like, Hey, and just walks out and, and drinks. And she ends up accidentally smashing the back windshield of the FBI (laughs) person's car. Have a drink and tosses the bottle straight (laughs) through the fucking charger. Oh, it was great. Um, but she's a mess right now. So, and you know, obviously her parents don't know what to do. Like, how do you comfort your child for this? You know, we've, we've talked about this already, but I have to stress, like, this isn't, this isn't like a teen suicide movie where you can talk to them about, you know, preventing suicide. This isn't a drug overdose movie where you talk to them about like moderation or not doing drugs or something like that. Like kids are just fucking exploding for no reason, how do you console your child when they could literally explode any second? How? Mm-hmm. How do you do mm-hmm. it? I, I, there, he's, you know, the father's even like, I, we're not equipped to deal with this. Like, no. I don't know how to comfort you. You know, and they're very lenient on her. Like, you know, they don't, you, they don't like crash down on her when she's doing drugs and drinking. He even gives her pot at one point. <laughs> Let's just let him be the cool dad. <laughs> let him be the cool dad. Right. Um, there's a great moment where like it shows her like doing a, a like a cocktail tutorial, and she's yeah. like, you, know, you take you know three parts vodka and one part dry vermouth, a little ice, and then take the grenadine and basically pour how the whole fucking bottle in there, and you have a cocktail that I like to call "All my friends and boyfriends are dead." It's <laughs> <laughs> just like. So I have a couple of questions, (laughs) which is great because that scene starts off looking like she's doing like a YouTube video. Like you expect it to be like posting to social, but when it cuts back, it's her dad sitting at the table going, um, so, (laughs) and she just picks up the drink and chugs it. He's like, don't do that. (laughs) Don't, uh, I, she's like, don't worry, you can have the next one. (laughs) And when, like, when she goes to the actual prom. And she carries her bottle of tequila in with her after having a little mini heart-to-heart with Tess, who, of course, they had the the mini best friend falling out and recovery moment and whatnot. Yeah, which, um, uh, that was probably the only part of this movie that I was like, hmm, that seems yeah. weird. It kind of just felt like they just kind of ditched the best friend for, like, the middle of the movie, and then she sort of comes back. Yeah, but it, which, it, it wasn't too big of a deal, but it was enough where I was like, that's weird. She just kind of doesn't show it was, up. It was kind of tropey. I mean, I get it, like... I I think with more time, the movie would have shown them like just handling things differently, yeah. which is very much what happens. But because the test wasn't given a lot of screen time uh, during, like you said, during like the whole middle section, uh, that we we really only get to see 
her being like, I have to go to school. Right. Oh, okay, cool. Go to school. Uh, yeah. But Mara wanders in with her bottle of tequila and walks over to the punch bowl and just starts pouring it in. Uh, there's a great moment where like two of the chaperones are just watching her just pour the whole bottle and she just looks dead in the eyes, just <laughs> pours the whole thing, picks up the spoon and stirs it and then walks away with the whole bowl <laughs> and is just <laughs> drinking out of the ladle. <laughs> just, the chaperones just kind of shrug like, yeah, well, I mean. But like, seriously though, like if this were happening, like what do you do? Like, you, Right. You're not going to punish them. <laughs> Right, to be like, how dare you, you know, do the thing all teenagers do during prom anyways. Uh, please don't explode blood on me. Yes. <laughs> like, please don't explode your guts onto my face. Like, I kind of wish you wouldn't be doing this right now, but, like, it, the fact that you're not exploding is good enough. It's good enough. I think that's, yeah, that's the bare minimum we're going for is not exploding. Just please don't explode. Yeah. Anything above that is is whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so so Mara is I mean she's in it right now. She's an absolute mess. Um you know, she she has her moments like, you know, this is her complete breakdown. Um and you know, she kind of has that realization like she comes home and she's like she you know, she finally like says to her parents like I I'm sorry. Like I just I just don't know what to do. You know, like she, she, you know, it's basically like, I'm a mess. I don't know how to emotionally deal with this. And her parents are good parents and are like, yeah, of course you don't. <laughs> Your friends are exploding. And she's like, at least you can't say that you had it so much harder now. And mom's like, no, you're right. No, you're right. This is way worse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the first line that we get to see her mother speak when like after yeah, they pick her up after Caitlin dies and she's like, I'm not going to school tomorrow. And the mom's just like, and no shit, sweetie. Yeah. <laughs> no shit, sweetie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's so so the movie basically rounds out with, uh, uh, you know, a whole bunch of people, people exploded. You know, the quarantine fails. They, people, you know, the medicine fails. They all sort of explode. And eventually, um, you know, we have this moment at the graduation slash prom or whatever where... Um, Mara, you know, Mara starts to see social media posts where everybody's blaming Mara because Mara was present for all of the explosions. Like people are thinking she's the common denominator. So she goes up onto stage and she's like, it, you know, she's trashed and she's like, it's me. It's my fault. I'm the Covington curse. I'm sorry. Like, you know, she, she's in it right. Like this is, you know, her moment of being like, I deserve this. I, I was wrong. And there's kind of this weird I am Spartacus moment yeah. um, that happens. Not weird, but like it, it's kind of cool because the point of this is to show that everything Mara, and this is what does it for Mara, is it shows that everything she's feeling, everybody else is feeling it too. Everybody mm -hmm. else is having those grief moments because she's like, it's me. I'm the... I'm the common denominator. I'm the one causing everyone to explode. And then someone else was like, no, it's me. I was jealous of Caitlin and, you know, I wished that something bad would happen to her, but I didn't mean this. And then someone else was like, no, it's me. I did this thing. And some other person's like, no, it's me because I did this. And everybody kind of has their I am Spartacus thing. And that's the moment where Mara's like, oh, fuck. Like, yeah. 
like everybody is fucked up because of this. Like she, mm-hmm. she was, she was in this moment where she felt like everybody was acting normal, but they're not. Everybody is grieving in their own way, but they're all feeling the feelings. Yeah. And she was like, oh, and that's when she goes home and says to her parents, like, I'm sorry. I just, you know, my boyfriend exploded in my face <laughs> into literally into my face. <laughs> is yeah. Oh my God. I, I do also, uh, this was one of those like fucked up things where you're like, you laugh, but then you're like, oh, that's all so bad. Um, so they, uh, uh, Mara and and Dylan actually have sex at one moment. You don't see anything. There is no nudity in the film. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, uh, they, you know, after they're done, they're sort of, you know, laying in bed and, you know, like discussing it. And he was like, honestly, the whole time I was just saying, please don't explode on her. Please don't explode on her. <laughs> I think that's fucked up, but... You guys have it so hard. I know, right? Oh, boy. Uh, uh, yeah, so eventually in the movie, people just stop exploding. There is no explanation. We get no resolution to why None. kids were exploding. We don't know what the trigger was, what the what the thing was. It's just eventually it stops. And we do learn that it was only in this city. It was only in this high school in this town, right? Weird-ass little town in Jersey. Yeah, that just... People were exploding for like six months and then they never did it again. Um, Very, very weird occurrence. Um, And then, uh, you know, but Mara kind of has that, you know, has the the wrap it up uh, monologue of like just fucking, you know, this is where she says like, I'm going to become president. Like that's president bitch to you, motherfucker, you know, (laughs) and she just it's the we get the message of like, just go, you know, do the things you want to do because you could spontaneously explode at any time. And that is our big wrap-up moral uh, of the story. Uh, so should you watch this movie? Mm. Yes. A hundred percent yes, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, again, with the caveat that like, if you're squeamish around blood, no. Right. Uh, yeah. Probably don't because there's when I say buckets, I'm being conservative. Literal, <laughs> literal buckets. Uh, yeah. Probably more like tubs full. Oh, uh, yeah. But... That said, it's a great movie, and I would I would definitely recommend it. Totally. Yep. So again, into streaming on Hulu and Amazon Prime. Uh, so if you have not watched it already, uh, we recommend watching it. Um, so that does it for this episode. We, you know, we mentioned the movies that are coming up. We've got a lot of cool ones coming up. Uh, the next one is going to be Higher Ground, um, about a guy who gets God powers. Pretty oh. fucking cool. Um, so that's going to be pretty cool. Um, and then, uh, right now we're not announcing yet, but please check us out on social media. Um, we, we do plan to have, uh, guests this month. So we, we will have it, uh, possibly for at least two episodes. Um, we will have some special guests, uh, on the podcast to, to join us and stuff like that. So, um, we, uh, uh, we really look forward to that, but we'll announce those, uh, as we get for those of you watching on YouTube, our socials are right down below our Twitter accounts. Go ahead and follow us on Twitter. And of course, uh, check out media NSR. Um, but you know, obviously the best way is sign up for the night shift radio newsletter. There is also a link down below in the show notes. Um, that is the best way to learn about all the things happenings, uh, around night shift media. Mm. And uh, so that's an episode, guys. So we will see you uh, Thursday.
a father's tragic past hidden in the adventures of a cartoon mouse, a cautionary tale on the dangers of temporal tourism, a woman searching for answers after the death of an old friend. This is the Storyteller Series, a Night Shift Radio original. Every month, we bring a new short story to life in a full-cast audio drama. We publish a second exclusive story to our online print edition, and we give you a glimpse behind the pages with our author interview series. Subscribe to the Storyteller Series wherever you listen to podcasts, and visit nightshiftradio.com for more information.